If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at CottageBlogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer. I have a new toy. Uh, For those of you who don't do podcasting, you probably don't really care. So I'm not going to talk about it overly. But suffice to say, my podcasting experience has been so enhanced. And I've just spent a day learning all this new equipment. This This is all as we approach the 300th episode and the complete reboot of the podcast. So my first task was to get my production enhanced. And I had a couple of different options I could do. I could either go out and get it professionally done for me, or I could do it myself. And I don't want anybody else editing my interviews. Nobody else knows what it is that, you know, I, I, I want to take out or move around a little bit. So I didn't want that to happen. So when it came down to it, all I needed was for some form of, some form of um, monitor. All I needed was something that would help me knit all the different parts of the podcast together. And I have it right in front of me. I'm posting it to my Facebook page so everybody can see what it is. And as I say, those of you who don't do podcasting might not be interested. Those of you who do, go take a look because this is revolution revolutionizing the way I do my podcasts. And I'm just so delighted about it. Talking about, you know, revolutionizing and just updating technology. I, I just got to thinking more and more about uh, the, the way that we automate, that we can automate the experience that our guests have. And when I say automate the experience our guests have, talking about the home automation systems that can be in place to make their experience even better. Now, over the course of the past couple of years, I've talked to a few people about home automation. And it's interesting that every time I do, we're looking at further advances in this type of technology. And my guest today calls it personalized, uh, personalized technology. It's, it's, it's not just home automation. It's making the experience personal for our guests. So even though we, we talked, I would say relatively recently, maybe six months ago about this topic, I wanted to bring it in again because technology is one of these things that is advancing month by month by month. So if we don't keep coming back to it, we're going to lose sight of what's new and what we can expect in the future. So I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast today, Michael Dreger from Operto. And for those of you who may have uh, followed, for those of you who have been looking over the years at automated entry to your homes, you might remember Slick Spaces. It was a company that uh, that we saw at a couple of the uh, the shows of the vacation rental conferences uh, in the past few years, and they were 
offering keyless entry systems, automated entry systems. And they have since moved on from there. And I won't say any more about it because it's far better coming from the founder of Aperto, Michael Dreger. So let's move straight on over to that interview. So I am so delighted to have with me today Michael Dreger of Operto. You may not have heard of Operto, you may have, but I'm going to be asking Michael to explain what that's all about. But, you know, it's always such a pleasure to me to talk to another Canadian. So Hi. good morning, Michael. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you today? And uh, you're in Ontario, right? I'm in Ontario and you're in? In Vancouver. I love Ontario. Uh, lots of cousins there. I would love to be in BC. I have never visited BC, but it is on the bucket list. And one day I will get in my RV and drive there. Yeah, we have a very boastful uh, license plate that says the best place on earth. I don't know if it's quite that, but it is nice. Yes, I think uh, I mean, ours, ours used to be Ontario, yours to discover until our latest premier decided to change it. <laughs> Which I, and I always loved, you know, when I was in England and we come across and I'd see these, these, these license plates, Ontario, yours to discover. And I thought, yes, yes, let's go discovering. But hey, things change. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Hey, Michael, it's, it's so great to have you, uh, have you with me. My really good friend, Jessica, who mentioned you and I met your team at, at the North West, oh God, here we go. The North NWVRP, yeah. NW NWVRP, yes. Yeah, it's a yeah. The acronyms in in these industries, hey. <laughs> Absolutely. So so yes. So I I met your team in Bend, Oregon, at NWVRP, and I was just really really taken with their approach and really surprised when I heard a little bit of the history and the fact that it used to be Slick Spaces. So I'd like to go over to you and just ask you just to, to give us a little bit of background of how you've come to be where you are now. Yeah, well, I'm originally a, a building consultant, spent most of my time in architecture and engineering offices, and I was doing a lot of work on hotels, mostly around green building. So my expertise is in green building, and all I was really trying to do was set back the thermostat, <laughs> effectively, <laughs> in... Um, because I was looking at energy models and seeing that the uh, energy use of a hotel was equal to an outpatient hospital, which is pretty amazing. But it makes sense. I mean, it's 24-7 occupancy, and no one wants to turn anything off, including me. I mean, I like it comfortable when I walk in. So all I was trying to do was set it back on um, unlocking. Um, and then I found these locks in the vacation rental world, you know, just digit, just very simple, you know, sort of dumb keypad locks. And I thought, this is perfect. This is the way I'll do it. So I sort of broke off this um, this little part of my consulting company to uh, to start doing that because I couldn't find anyone that could do it. So I'd been working with the biggest control companies in the world, but no one did it. So we just cycled up a small software startup in 2016, called it Slick Spaces because the joke was, let's we just need to make these spaces a little slicker. Not a very good name. It was more just like bit of a joke. And then when we really started to get a lot of traction, especially in the in the short-term rental world, mostly urban, we switched the name over to Aperto, something that's a little bit more timeless. We weren't just, because for me, it wasn't just all about opening doors and uh, and unlocking things and setting back thermostat. For me, I think we, we chatted about this before, is for me, technology is really just a tool in service of people. And I didn't really want it 
I, I really wanted people to stop interacting with their phones and to start interacting with their space during their stay. So that's sort of the impetus of how we approach the whole world of automation. I, I love that. So less interaction with phones and more interaction with space. Yeah, and, and people, right? Like mm-hmm. this, the, the, the space and the people that you, you go to spend time with or, or with the host if you're going to be chatting with the host, right? Yeah, that's great. So I mentioned in the introduction that I've talked about automation and technology several times over the past 18 months or so. And each time it seems there's been this big leap in, in terms of what technology is available. So it was a bit of a no-brainer to come back to this topic again after about six months and just you know, see what's out there now. We know technology's revolutionized the vacation rental industry. I mean, I, I know this. I've been doing this for 25 plus. I've, I've stopped talking about any years beyond 25, so it's just 25 <laughs> plus years I've been doing this now. And I go back to the times when there was very little in the way of the web. I mean, it was out there and there were websites, but we was, I remember still putting little ads into the paper catalogue that used to come out in Ontario every year and everybody couldn't, you know, it's like the Eaton's catalogue. People could not wait for this to come out. This, yeah. uh, this Tyler's Cottage Rental catalogue. And it was this huge, thick book about the size of the old yellow pages. <laughs> And, and it had just a gazillion cottage rentals with these tiny little grainy black and white pictures and te- two lines of text, perhaps. But that's how people did it then. Mm-hmm. So I've been there right at the very beginning and gone all the way through all these changes. What do you think are the areas that have really benefited over those, those years with, with technology changes? Just the booking experience is so much easier. Like you said, like going from grainy photos, trying to call someone, maybe getting them in the right time zone. Because I, I went through that too, right? Like I booked places in Europe basically having to show up because there was no other way to contact them once you're on the road. I, I remember this too, I, like without a phone. And so sometimes you'd get somewhere and it would be, you'd be a conference on and you just wander around looking for a place to stay. Now I just pop open my phone and go on one of the, you know, one of the OTAs. I always try to book direct. But when you're last minute, the OTAs just, they look for everything, right? Like mm-hmm. it just scans your area and just finds you a room. So the booking experience has just been completely revolutionized. Everything from instant book to finding you something based on unbelievably specific um, search criteria. I think that's the one area that in terms of as a guest, that's probably improved the most. Uh, what about for owners, though? For owners, that's a good... I mean, I guess the tools to manage are probably way better than before. I mean, the, the PMSs that are out there now are pretty incredible in terms of the features and functionality. No more paper tracking, who's coming when. <laughs> uh, like you've got tax software that's basically built in now that'll basically automatically do all of your trust accounting for you. It just separates all of your charges yeah, in terms of the online world of booking and and uh, managing bookings, it's that's where all of the headway has really been made in the last ten years. It's it's interesting to see how many apps are out there now to oh, yeah. to support uh, the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I remember when Properly was first launched, and it really was the you know the, the only cleaning and maintenance app and. It, it was just amazing. And just there's so many others now. So yes. it's, it, it is tough, isn't it, when you launch something and it it, it's new and it's sparkly 
and then one by one, all the new entrants come in. Right. Especially when you're not an app, because we're not an app. Yeah. Like, we're, we're sort of, I, I've never been a, a huge, like, I like apps, but I think we've all reached an app saturation point. <laughs> I, I don't even know how many apps I have on my phone. I read some stat that you use five apps on your phone and the rest get almost no use. Mm-hmm. And, that, and there was another one about how 80% of apps that are introduced on the market today will be gone in six months. And it's just, we've reached a saturation point in how much we can sort of handle to download on our phone and really like care about. Yes. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think, I think what you just said was to care about. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Let's, let's talk about what's happened though with home automation, because yeah. this is the area that Operto is into primarily, but you talk about it being personalized technology. And I love that I love that phrase. It, I don't know why. It just has such a, a nicer feeling than home automation. Um, yeah, it's also more appropriate for the market because it's not really a home. It is someone's home, but it's now a commercialized place to stay. So the things that you would do in a home, that you do in your own home, you wouldn't do necessarily always for guests, I guess is the way to think about that. Mm-hmm. So can, yeah. can you give me some examples of that? So, for example, in the world of home automation, a lot of times it's, it's security companies that are doing it. And so they'll often be pushing um, like home security systems. And home security systems are totally fine for your home. But a guest is going to pretty much trip them every single time they go in by accident. So that it's not for so that, that level of complexity to someone new from another country or who's not familiar with where it is or you know, can't remember the the code, whatever the case may be, that's not great for guests. It's not a great guest experience. So the things that that might be great for us are not yet great for guests. Like even you were saying you have a, like an Amazon, or sorry, a a Google Home. And um, Google Home is very, it's a very personal device. It's very personal like your phone. And so it would be like leaving your personal phone for someone else to use in a space, it's not quite useful enough for a guest. Like all a guest can really do is say, ask for the weather possibly or what time it is. They can't really play their music, right? It's, it's not their device. The things that work really well in your home may not necessarily always translate really well to a vacation rental or to like a hotel room. What's the alternative then? If I'm, I'm thinking about the, the guest experience. So what does personalized technology mean for the guest experience if we're not going to be using a Google Home or Alexa to welcome think, somebody? How, how does that, how it work? We will be using those devices. But for now, I think it means that you interact. Like So smart home automation and smart homes have been pretty boutique and quite interesting like there's been light switches that look like panes of glass and that are pretty pretty hard to use but when you're doing smart home automation we always recommend that a light switch be a light switch Mm -hmm. right like anyone coming from anywhere should know that that is a light switch and all you really want to do is you want it to be invisible so that when that light switch you want that light switch to turn on when they open the door so they're not fumbling around in the dark so it's just in service of them coming in right so when they unlock the door there's a trigger from the door lock to the light that turn it on and that's that's sort of how i sort of see is home automation being really useful to us it's sort of invisible it's an invisible layer so you'll still interact with thermostats that look like thermostats and not a pane of glass that is really confusing and a door lock that is basically just a keypad Right. Very, very simple. But basically interacting with those things, invisible things that are sort of in service to what you're trying to do in the space sort of happen on their own. 
Uh, I talked to Antonio Bortolotti recently, and we were talking about his new property on Lake Maggiore that is, is actually next to his, uh, his own home, his own villa there. Mm. And, and he was talking about technology and how important it is. And uh, you know, he was em- envisaging you know, people walking as, as they get out of their car and they walk up to the gate, it's unlocking, it's unlocked for them. And then yeah. when they get to the door, the door is unlocking. And when they walk in, there is music playing and or the music oh, starts to play. Um, yeah. So, so is, is that, that's what we're talking about here. And that's what we're talking about. But at the same time, in that imagining, it requires you to have your phone on you mm-hmm. at every single moment. That's the only problem with a lot of these, these visions is that your phone has to be on you for it to catch the geofence, for it to open the gate and to open the door. And I don't actually, when I travel, like to have my phone on me. I mean, I, I will. But when I go out, like I take my kids to the beach or something, I, I'll bring a camera camera rather than my phone just so that I can actually be in the moment with everyone. And sometimes my phone will be completely dead when I get somewhere. So I still, mm. it's still best for me to remember a four-digit access code to unlock the door. Sure. Yeah, that's sort of... And so for, also, the, my father still doesn't have a smartphone. And he travels quite a bit. And I know quite a few people that, whether they're digital detox people or whether they're like just, you know, just trying to spend less time on their phones, they have flip phones. You never want to completely uh, eliminate a segment of the population to your property, right? You always want pretty much anyone to be able to book it, not someone with a smartphone with a certain app or a certain download. Plus, it's also really complex. Like, permissioning is really difficult on apps to get to people. So the simpler you can do it, the better. So how would, um, how would you say we could create a really good experience for a guest? The, so the way that we do it, which is pretty similar to a couple of our competitors, is that we send a four-digit access code through... How, whatever the booking method is, um, whether it's direct or through the OTA. And then when you show up, you just put in that four-digit access code. The, a lot of people think that sort of eliminates uh, any personality, but we also have a hotel, for example, where people can go straight up to their rooms, but that doesn't necessarily mean that people want to go straight to their rooms. Sometimes they'll go and they'll sit at the bar and they'll chat with people, uh, and then it's just a way for you not to have transactional conversation when you're there. It's very similar. I equate it to very similar to uh, getting in an Uber. You've been in an Uber before, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's much more like getting into an Uber where you're not worried about payment. You're You're just spending time chatting with a person and then you get out and you say goodbye and you walk away. That's sort of what it's like. It doesn't sort of mean that you wouldn't still greet someone and sort of say, this is how the stove works. This is where the washing machine is, all these things. Okay. You remember your four digit access code? Great. Have a great stay. You won't have to worry about losing keys. You can go to the beach or go for a run without your phone or any keys. Have a good time. That's sort of how we see it. And then once you're in this space, the space is sort of interacting with you. So um, our, with, our, with our system, basically the, when you put in your Fortage access code, everything sets itself up. But we've also preset it up based on booking so that uh, the temperature is up, the temperature is what it should be. But you can still use the thermostat to adjust if you feel slightly uncomfortable. And it'll stay that way until you leave. Same with lights, same with everything else. And then we also have uh, sensors in there that will monitor air quality, which we also use to monitor rules compliance, you know, noise levels, over-occupancy, that kind of thing. I'm, I'm interested in that over-occupancy part of it. It's a big issue 
for mm-hmm. homeowners and managers. I mean, I know this. I'm a manager. We've got 180 properties. We've just had a lot. We've just had the long weekend, and yep. already heard of a number of instances of over occupancy. Now, yeah. so, so beyond having a camera, mm-hmm. uh, an external camera facing out to the driveway, because that's that's all we allow with our with our properties. Mm-hmm. How else can technology manage the potential of overcrowding? We've been using, well, in my consulting business, we've been using uh, CO2 monitoring to, do, to figure out occupancy for quite a long time, mostly in office buildings. So we uh, humans breathe out CO2 at a pretty constant rate. Um, so you can pretty much tell how many people are in a space based on the level of CO2. That's, that's then, really interesting because I, I understand that mosquitoes quite like CO2 as well they love it that's which, why they love which, it so which much. is why which is why you know i the more people there are in, in in a room the more the more mosquitoes there are on the screens exactly yeah exactly they're just they're waiting to get in yeah. so yeah we use so we use sort of three data points that really tell us the most about what's happening in a space so co2 tells us if there's a lot of people in the space uh, a noise sensor will tell us um, if it's if it's quite noisy because sometimes you could have a lot of people in the space and and it's not a big deal, um, and they'll just be leaving, like maybe they're having a dinner party uh, quietly. And then number of uh, opening and closings of the door, um, usually from the inside. So usually if all three of those are really high numbers, that's usually a party. But if any one of them is a high number, usually, you know, it might deem a phone call to say, you know, hey, how are things going? Are you enjoying your mm-hmm. stay? <laughs> but otherwise, you, you need lots of points of data to make, uh, to make decisions in this modern era. Well, what about outside noise? Um, and I've always found this interesting because the majority, you know, the, the other noise sensor sensing uh, applications that are out there are mostly internal, as you say, you know, CO, you, you're, you're looking at um, levels of CO2, you're looking at levels of noise sensed from the inside. But in, in our particular situation, we, we don't care if people are inside making noise because they're not, disturbing neighbors because they don't have neighbors in general but if you're outside and there's 30 people around a campfire at night and they're singing and that singing does tend to get louder and louder as the night wears on i remember this from my youth and of course sound travels across a lake so i know we've been looking for something that will help us monitor external noise yeah noise aware does make an outdoor uh, noise sensor and I think, I don't know if it's out yet. I think it might be out already. But um, yeah, it's on batteries. And basically, you just, you just you put it anywhere outside. Oh, that sounds ultra useful. So is it noise aware that you're using as part of your product? We have another product that we use from a, a French company. And it has four sensors in it. Mm-hmm. But we definitely, we, we're, we're a software company. We'll connect to any piece of hardware, really. Right. It doesn't really matter to us. Yeah. So the one that we use is from a French company called NetAtmo, and it has four sensors in it. It's, it's originally was designed as an air quality sensor for in your home so that, you know, you, you could have a good night's rest. Because even high CO2 makes so that you don't have a very good night's sleep. That's why you sleep so well outside and in a cabin, because the CO2 levels are basically like outside. Mm-hmm. If it's really high CO2, you don't sleep well. But anyway, so it was, it was originally designed as an indoor air quality sensor, and it has four sensors CO2, noise, humidity, and temperature, okay. which are all pretty useful sensors. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So if I'm, I mean, I am a property owner, I'm also a property manager, how would getting more automated in our properties 
uh, assist us in becoming more efficient and you know, just becoming a, a better organization and supplier of services to the travelers? Yeah, the, I, I would. The, the first is just a, a, any digital smart lock. Well, not any digital smart lock. We've used a lot of them. Probably the best on the market is from Yale. The Yale. And it's the button version. And I know that seems weird for a software technology company to say, don't get the touchscreen version. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because it actually confuses guests. Like, it's quite, it's quite nice for your home, but it's not a very intuitive interface. you got to put your hand on it in order to activate it, and then you put in your code. A little bit confusing. Oh, Whereas the button I have version... To, I'm going to stop you oh, there. I'm going to stop you there, Michael, because yeah. I, I went to view a property a, a month or so back. And, mm-hmm. and I had the code. I mean, it's way, way out in the boonies. I mean, it's a long way from anywhere. And yeah. I arrive at this property and I've got the code. They've given me the code. And I get to the door and there's a blank screen. Yes, and, I know. That's what I mean. That's and I had one. no idea what to do. Yeah. I, I, I just thought, well, this isn't working. This is going to be very good for our guests. So fortunately, I knew where the, where the other key was. And I went round and I took off, you know, I lifted up the stones and there was the key. <laughs> Now you're telling me I just could have put my hand in front of it. Yeah, you just put your hand, your whole palm on it, and that <laughs> activates it. And that's why I said, like, we, like, our favorite is, it's called the Gale YRD216. That's the nerdy number, but it's just a touchscreen um, deadbolt lock. And it's, it was, it's, you can find it on Amazon, but it's not really, it wasn't, it's, it wasn't really meant for the residential use. So it has, it has a lot of the features that you'll want, right? It has, 250 codes on it, uh, code slots on it. It has you, the ability for you to put protection on it so that no one else can know what the codes are. Uh, you can program it remotely. We can do something called non-access codes, which we use. This is back to the efficiency question that you have. We know when the guest is checked in, and then the guest can have a checkout code because there's so many, so many code slots on there. So they'll put in their checkout code. You know they've left, which automatically can dispatch your cleaning team. And then when your cleaning team starts, that sort of shows that it's active uh, in cleaning. And then when they're done, it shows that the room's been turned over and it can be turned over to the next guest or, or to, the, uh, to the inspector. Okay. So the, the digital door lock is actually unbelievable in efficiency if it's used in the right way. Excellent. You know, I, I go to all the, the, the conferences and see all this array of technology to, mm-hmm. to help me access a door, to help my guests get in easier. Mm-hmm. And as an aside, we still have a $7,000 a week property where the key is on the back of the Muskoka chair on the deck. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I am trying to encourage all our owners to move towards a keyless entry. Yeah, um, and, and I it, would say that that's good advice. And the best piece of advice I can give is make it simple. Like it should be buttons and not a touchscreen. And there shouldn't be also a knob there's another door lock manufacturer, can't remember the name right now, where you actually also have to turn a knob. Mm. There's no motor on the back. It doesn't automatically unlock the door. And again, it's just confusing. Slage. I have. Uh, Slage has one that does that, and so does. Uh, I have one. <laughs> yeah. I have one, and the first time I tried to use it, and I, I still get confused with it. Yeah, exactly. And I know that some of our owners have them, and we have to issue all these instructions and photographs and. This yeah. is what you have to do. And, and quite honestly, it, it's where is the ease and efficiency in there? We never had to give guests a photograph of a key. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's the thing is it just it, a simple, simple, simple. Like, yeah. 
The other thing that's nice about buttons is if you're in Ontario and it's cold outside, you don't have to take off your glove to push the, <laughs> push the buttons, right? <laughs> like just push buttons with your gloves on. So it's it's all those little details that kind of matter. And so the number, like the best investments, definitely a Wi-Fi or Z-Wave or whatever connected um, deadbolt lock for North America. Okay. Now, can you explain a little bit? You say Wi-Fi or Z-Wave for anybody out there who's thinking, well, what the heck does that mean? Can you give it us just, the uh, just just give us yeah, a brief overview? Yeah, so for sure, the, there's a bunch of frequencies, wireless frequencies out there that allow you to connect devices. Most people are familiar with Wi-Fi, which is how you connect your phone or Alexa or one of those devices. But smart home automation can be very localized. So the frequency that they use is either Zigbee or Z-Wave. Um, Z-Wave is sort of our preference because it's it's a it's what's known as a mesh network. So the more devices you add onto it. It sort of gets stronger. So as you add lights and thermostats and you know uh, door open close sensors and those kinds of things, the network actually gets stronger as you put devices on it. And it also doesn't interfere with with guest Wi-Fi. The other great thing about it is it it actually it goes a much longer distance than Wi-Fi. It was it's actually the same frequency we used to use for cordless phones. If you remember, you you could go out onto the lawn with your cordless phone, mm-hmm. and it was amazing how far you could go. That's the same frequency. That's Z-Wave. Okay. Yeah, it's meant for really low data applications, which is most IoT doesn't need a ton of data. You're not streaming Netflix or anything like that. You're just sending very simple ones and zeros. Open, close, turn something up, turn something down. (laughs) Okay, so you've been been talking about a few products here, you know, things that you have to have, the hardware, I guess. The hardware you have to have in place. So. So let's yeah. say, you know, as an owner out there, you know, they've got loads of, they've got light, light switches and everything is already there. How, mm-hmm. how expensive is this to, the whole place need to be retrofitted with, with different products? No, I'd say that the best investment is, like I said, a, the door lock, probably a thermostat. Light switches aren't the best. I mean, 50 to 70% of your energy is going to be saved by, repl- by putting on a smart uh, thermostat. Light lighting actually doesn't consume that much uh, energy in a building. So your best investment is a smart lock, some sensors of some kind, whether it's noise aware or the one that we use, you know, just for rules compliance is quite useful, and a smart thermostat. That's the best place to start. Smart lock, smart thermostat, smart sensors. Okay, well, you were, you were talking about somebody coming through the door, they open the door, you know, they, they, let's say they're working, somebody's working with your company. They've got, yeah. this, uh, they've got this code. So yeah. how does it, you know, excuse my naivety, but how does this go from them inserting a four-digit code to walking in and the lights going on? How's that connection yeah. made? If you, yeah, if you connect it to, you could put, usually we don't recommend replacing all the lights. Oftentimes we'll say, yeah, put in one uh, smart light switch, a Z-Wave light switch in the entry, and that's it. That's probably good enough. Mm-hmm. It's, more, it's more for experience. It's less for energy savings. Right. Yeah, it's just for, it's a convenience thing. Okay, so is there anything else that you'd really recommend that you, you know, you're recommending a, a good smart lock that's got buttons on it? And I really get that. <laughs> yeah, it's got to have buttons. Yeah. yeah and- we, we use a smart lock in, um, in Europe that uh, has buttons on it, but it's not connected to the lock itself. It's actually just a little uh, keypad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's fine too, because the keypad's a keypad and buttons are buttons, right? But yeah, generally there should always be, in case someone's lost their phone or phone doesn't work or they don't have a phone you know buttons <laughs> to unlock the door that's the way to go 
So, so we got the the lock um, and the thermostat and and some sensors. Yeah. Okay. So, tell me what the sensors do. Uh, the sensors just tell you whether the place is overoccupied based right. on C two noise. Uh, it'll tell you temperature wise if things are going kind of crazy in there. Humidity is also a pretty good indicator of how many people are in a space because we're also humidity machines as well as CO two emitting machines. And it's also good. It's a good property protection thing. Too high of uh, humidity can result in mold growth and all those other kinds of things. Okay, so what about you know the actual personalization of welcome? I mean, because we, we've talked about welcoming people and perhaps having a chalkboard with their names on it, or you know, so, something else, you know, a, a gift with a little handwritten card. Yeah. Is there any other way of doing that that makes it that, that brings it into the personalized technology sphere? Yeah, you can definitely connect it to you know Sonos Player or some other you know Google Home. And, uh, and, and set a trigger so that when someone unlocks the door, then music plays. So back to Antonio's idea, that, that's definitely possible now, mm-hmm. um, something we could help people with. The other is for the TV to automatically turn on and there to be a, a welcome message on there. That's another that's fairly simple to do, depending on what technology um, you sort of have. And you can retrofit most, not all TVs, I would say, but most newer TVs within the last five years can be retrofitted to do that. Not not the old tube TVs that I still see in no. some, some properties. <laughs> they won't have an HDMI cable in them. So as long as it has an HDMI cable and something called uh, a CEC connection, which just means that if you can use the HDMI port to power the TV on and off, um, you can pretty much you can you can do what I was just talking about. Okay. Yeah, I quite like that idea. I used to have people come into my property and, and it was all done manually. You know, the, 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 yeah. the cleaner on the way out set the TV up and it was actually onto a music channel. Um, yeah. And it would really depend on the, on the demographic of the guests, what we'd be playing. We, we, tend mm-hmm. to, we, get, very, we get, get quite personalized. So we know, you know whether, are these going to be classical people or country music people or light rock people, that sort of thing. And we'd, we'd set the, the channel to suit. Them. Exactly. But of course, that was all manual. So I, I like the idea of, of getting a little bit more personal yeah. with their names. Although having said that, you know, I've walked into hotel rooms before and my name's up there, up there on the TV, and I've sort of ignored it and it's just a hotel-y thing. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything. So I, I think people would have to be a bit more creative into what they put in that message. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. And you just want to have useful information in the message, right? Like, Usually with uh, the clients that we have, they usually don't put the person's name. They'll just put a, a personalized welcome with the Wi-Fi password, and that's it. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's the number one thing people always ask. Oh, yes. yes. They can't find it. What is the Wi-Fi password? It's like the num- first question. Well, More I- important error, it feels like. These <laughs> I, I, oh, yeah. Some, some, we, we were told recently, because some of our properties don't have Wi-Fi because they're, they're pretty remote, and it's just not possible. Yeah, and we were told recently by a lady. She said, "Do not realize that that Wi-Fi is more important than water." <laughs> yeah, which, which no, I it, would have disputed a little. <laughs> yes, I would also dispute that. It just feels that way, right? It's just the way people are. Yes, I mean we've we're, we're going from it's it's interesting as we look at the way we put together listings these days uh, on our website. What we used to uh, a, a well-equipped kitchen did not necessarily mean there was a dishwasher. Right. But now we have to say, well-equipped kitchen, in brackets, no dishwasher. No dishwasher, yeah. Or uh, uh, coffee pots, instant coffee, single coffee. Yes, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, I, and, I, think I, like, I like making coffee the old way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 
most people don't. And then, you know, then comes to Wi-Fi, you know, instead of saying, you know, Wi-Fi is there, we're now getting to the point where we say this property does not have a Wi-Fi yes. connection. Well, and even you, like I've, I've seen bad reviews for places that ha- didn't have good Wi-Fi. Like they had yeah. uh, really spotty Wi-Fi. So like even the quality of Wi-Fi is even a criteria, which is pretty, pretty wild. Well, I understand that to a degree. You know, I, I, I travel around, I, I, we do escape Ontario in the winter. So we tend to turn into gypsies and travel around the southern parts of the U.S. And mm. we're in an RV. And my number one criteria when I go onto an RV site is it's got to have decent Wi-Fi. And yeah, then, I will sp- then I spend a whole week whining about the connection speed. <laughs> yeah, because you get cut off from the rest of the world now without good Wi-Fi. Yeah, well, yeah. of course, and a lot of people now, and I think this is what owners need to, to remember. We have a lot, some owners who, who say, you know, well, people are going on vacation. They should leave their cell phones at home. But so many people now are work from that they don't go into offices anymore they're working from their laptops and their other devices so if they're on vacation they're still working yeah no that's very true that's very true i know i am always working (laughs) (laughs) yeah me too me too living live i just live eat and breathe this business so it's a bit of a sad state but that's it's (laughs) it's, it's passion isn't it it's it is it is passion it's being passionate and that's the thing i've always remarked about most about this industry it's like there are very few industries that are 24-7, 365, and this is definitely one of them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, a lot, of pe- a lot of people listening to this podcast are nodding their heads right now. Yeah, they, they oh, for sure. I've never, I've never seen a group of people who work harder than, than uh, vacation rental property managers. And you're, and you're right, they, they do it out of passion, right? They just they like spending time with people or talking with people or, or interacting. That's, that's why they got into it. It's why they started it. Well, well, it's all. I mean, we're in the business of making dreams happen for other people. Yeah. And, yeah, and what better thing to be doing? And if you have to dive deep and get down into the weeds of of how you make those dreams happen, then mm-hmm. then it, uh, it it all becomes really, really worthwhile. Yeah, and I think that those are the people that are often scared by technology of any kind of kind, right? Because they they we've all seen how technology has sort of taken over people's lives, right? Like. Kids who just basically don't talk to each other at uh, at events because they're just on their phones, and that's that's not what anybody wants, right? Like I'm I'm, I'm originally from Saskatchewan, so uh, most of my family's Mennonite, and so that you know they're not super keen on technology. So I never grew up as sort of like a real technophile. I've always grew up thinking that you know technology is a tool, and it is an amazing tool. But you're, it, if it is used improperly, it's it's a it's one a distraction. And basically, it almost causes more work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there is. It just it's disconnection from people, right? You, you don't want to be disconnected from where you are at any any place in time because you're just on a device or you're obsessed with technology or you're drawn in by some form of technology. Yes, well, I certainly you know took note of what you said about technology is a tool in service to people, yeah, um, rather than than the other way around. So, Michael, what t- tell us a little bit more about what OP Perto does, what service you bring to the industry. So we're a software company, so I, I kind of jokingly say we're the operating system of your vacation rental. So if your vacation rental were to be a computer, we're the operating system. We're not the hardware, we're the, we're the firmware software. Um, and, and I think buildings have always been sort of the last frontier for technology. You know, we have flying, uh, you know, if the, we almost have flying cars, we have self-driving cars. <laughs> 
we, we, our phones are basically computers, but buildings are really just, you know, glorified barns for the most part. So that's what we're really trying to do is we're, we're trying to bring in technology into buildings in a very human way, in a very um, seamless and invisible layer. So the soft, our software connects to uh, PMSs and OTAs so that we can automatically send information to the guest with their check-in instructions as well as their check-out instructions so they know what to do when um, they know what code to put into the door when they come in and they know what co- code to put in when they leave. And that allows for a greater degree of um, operational efficiency. So we're, we're really a, we're a B2B company very focused on um, making the lives of property managers much easier which allows property managers to make the lives of their guests much better and create those great experiences. So sensors, that helps property managers sort of know what's happening in real time on a property without having to spy on people with cameras. Uh, Thermostats that are automatically setting things back and forth, as well as light switches if they felt like it, sort of to allow the guests to be more comfortable as well as for the owner to know of the building to know that the property is being taken care of and we're looking after the, the massive uh, energy bills that are associated with changing over from a home to a vacation home. So, so what, what sort of cost is involved in, in getting something like this up and running? So if I've got a, um, an owner or manager out there saying, yes, I, you know, I, I really love this idea of somebody mm-hmm. having the checking code and a checkout code and these sensors all wrapped up into sort of one, one platform so they're not doing a sort of itty-bitty, bringing everything in separately type of thing. Right. So if you were to buy, I mean, we have two sort of plans, one where you buy all the hardware um, and the other one where we just give it, it's part of a subscription model. And that was, that's probably our most popular because oftentimes the property manager is, you know, there's a lot of debate on who should pay for it. But this way, it's just sort of no one has to worry about who pays for the hardware. So if you were to buy the hardware outright, which is the lock, the controller, and um, usually the, the sensor is what people want the most. If you were to buy all those things together, it's about $400. But if you go on to our, our plan that includes all of them, it's $40 US a month. It includes all three of those pieces of hardware. And then you can put thermostats on. You can buy thermostats that are Z-Wave for, oh, between, I guess if it's an electric baseboard version, you can buy it for $60 uh, to, you know, $100 mm-hmm. for a Z-Wave thermostat. So the devices actually aren't super expensive. Um, even if you were to buy just a smart lock that's not connected to anything, you can get them for 150 I mean, you want it to be connected to something, um, so you should spend more and get one that's like 250 I'd say, and then connect it to any... Well, the hub that we use is from Samsung. It's called the Samsung SmartThings Hub. But there are others out there. There's the Vera, which we can also connect to, and those are anywhere between 100 to 150 depending on which type you get. And then you can connect almost anything to that to those to those hubs so, so if somebody wants to go out and buy their own hardware do you offer advice on i mean yeah, you've mentioned a few things do. you offer advice on what they should get yeah we definitely offer advice on what they should get um and not get right mm-hmm. like uh, like i was saying i mean people there's a lot of our clients that have those touchscreen uh locks because they do look really cool mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but we always say like here's the caveat you know like we'll, we can because we have uh, oem relationships OEM is an original equipment manufacturer, so we can get locks and you know, hubs and all that kind of stuff for close to cost because we just do so much of it. And we'll, we'll sell it to people, but we'll always say, make sure you tell the guests, put their big, their palm on the, on the keypad when they're using it. So we, we often will sell it to people, but other people will often either have their own stuff because they're already trying to sort of get there. 
Um, sometimes they'll have the lock, but they won't have the controller. Um, so sometimes we'll get them the controller, the SmartThings hub. Um, sometimes they'll already have it. People are pretty desperate to get codes to people in a much more manageable way. Yeah. So people are finding this technology. It's now because it's now available at Best Buy, right? And um, and Home Depot and Canadian Tire, and it's really it's not as hidden as it used to be, which is great. So um, it allow, which is great for us too, because it allows us to just sort of be the software company that we are and sort of just you know guide people to the right hardware. Yeah, well, that's great information, Michael. Thank you. So just a final question. Uh, mm-hmm. I, was, I said at the beginning, you know, I'm, I'm, it's like when I first started doing the podcast, I was talking about technology every year, and now it's gone to every six months now. Should we be talking about it every three months? How fast is this technology changing? What, it, what, what do you see in the future? Yeah, it is changing really, really quickly. Just the, the level of complete automation is really incredible. And to do it really well, like one of the things I find really interesting is that it used to be that everyone wanted an all-in-one solution. Same for PMSs. But what really is interesting is that you really just need a place for everything to connect. The interconnectedness of all things that makes for efficiency. So I think that being able to connect things is just going to get easier and easier and easier, which is pretty amazing and very exciting for property managers. Absolutely. I'm, I'm all excited about, about the future. Um, sometimes, though, I do yearn a little bit for the past when it, it was just four channels on the television. <laughs> yeah, I know. No. Yeah, and it, people played cards more in board games. <laughs> well, we still yeah. we still see fun. a lot of use for for the board games and the cards that we leave at uh, leave at our properties. It's it's one of those things about Ontario cottages. And I'm sure if you've ever experienced one that uh, that that sort of tradition is still there. Oh, definitely. No, I love that. Where um, me and the kids are going um, in a cabin, and the whole family, and that's we love doing that cards and board mm-hmm. games. Yeah, just just getting yeah. back to the two. To the basics. So, Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure having you uh, having you with me today. I'll make sure that uh, on the show notes I put a note of the Aperto URL and some of the other things that we've we've mentioned, such as that uh, Yale Smart Lock with the buttons, and you know, so some of the other things that uh, that we've we've talked about. I'll put the links onto the show notes. Um, yeah, and let me know if you need anything else. And how can people get in touch with you? Info at uh, operto.com, O-P-E-R-T-O. Okay. Well, as I say, there'll be a link to your website as well. And anybody is interested in getting a little bit more personalized in their technology, then certainly get in touch with Michael and his team. Michael, thank you. speaking with you, Heather. (laughs) It's, It's always, as I say, always a pleasure to speak to a fellow Canadian, as it is to speak to a fellow Brit. (laughs) so yeah been a pleasure i'll look forward to meeting you in new orleans at vrma international great see you there well that was a great conversation with michael thank you so much for joining me it was an absolute pleasure and as as i'm stitching all this together this podcast all together with my new machinery it just it, it just reminds me how how quickly things change. You know, I'm looking on my desk and I've got all my fairly expensive old uh, podcast audio recording equipment sitting here that really is just about obsolete now after only five years. I've got one, two, three, four different boxes on my desk and this has all been replaced by just one. As I said at the very beginning, it's sort of revolutionary for me. 
And you're going to hear some, you know, while I'm practicing this over the next few weeks, you will hear some changes as I'm you know, making some changes to the way, um, the, the way I do the audio and the way I adjust the microphone and the voice and etc. So if it's a little bit off at the moment, it's because it's the very first time out. So please bear with me. It's going to get better. I really promise you. So moving right along, as we discussed, Michael will be around to answer any questions if you want to leave them on the show notes or email me directly at heather at vacationrentalformula.com. That would be absolutely great. And he will respond to you. I am talking a lot about our podcast reboot. The more I talk about it, the more I get, the more I commit myself to it because I know this has to happen for the 300th episode. So it's all going to be different. I want to know what you think. I want you to send me your thoughts on what we could do better. Do you listen to other podcasts? Is there anything in another podcast that you really like that you think we could be doing? I have mentioned before, we will be having sponsors for the new show. And so you will hear some advertising. But, you know, I've done this without monetizing it for the past five years. And I'm going to have to get a little bit for, for the work I'm, I'm doing from here on. So I hope you won't mind that there will be a little bit of advertising on it. Um, but that will allow us to keep the podcast going and to, um, to maintain the production quality and, uh, and to keep bringing you amazing stuff like we had today. So there's a survey uh, attached to the uh, show notes. If you could go to the show notes and click on the survey, you're also going to find the survey all around Facebook. We are going to be posting it everywhere because I, I really want to create this, this podcast reboot to suit you. Make it for my listeners and not just how I think that it ought to be. So please, if you see the survey, fill it in. It's only going to take you a couple of minutes and it'll be super, super helpful. And I'll thank you so much for doing it. So for now, I would just like to say a great, great bunch of thanks to you uh, for, for joining me. And I'm going to be with you again very soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.